0: Hey, guys, Brendan Boylan here, host of the Houdat Discussion. You can also follow all of my other Saints work with the Saints News Network on SI.com. Uh, just type into that search bar SI.com forward slash NFL forward slash Saints. Or if you need something a little bit easier to remember, just head to www.getsaintsnews, all one word, .com. So we have a exciting and special episode today because we're bringing back a familiar face but he's kind of switched sides a little bit yeah the OG AG Andrew Galatta he's joining us remember he has an internship with the New York Giants he's in the building uh, at least once a week so I said hey I think he'd make a good Giants insider for the week so we're going to jump into that we're going to talk very briefly about the Saints week three victory over the New England Patriots, but before we jump into all of that and so much more, let's hit the intro. All
1: things New Orleans Saints, this is Who dat Discussion. Who that discussion
0: Powered by Overtime, Overtime Media. Media. All right, guys. Well, the New Orleans Saints are marching into week four, marching back into the Superdome for the first time in over a calendar year in front of a packed house. So I know tons of you that are going to the game, got tickets to the game. It's going to be a crazy cool atmosphere because John Hendricks, my friend and colleague, said it best throughout the season when we did the pregame shows for Saints News Network last year. He just said, uh, I'm never going to get used to an empty Superdome. So like I said, for the first time in over 370 days, uh, full capacity at the newly named Caesar Superdome. Uh, But let's talk about how the Saints got to two and one. They obviously defeat the Green Bay Packers in week one, and everyone was ready to crown the New Orleans Saints as the hottest thing in football. They're going to be the best team in the NFC. And then they lay an egg in Charlotte, North Carolina. They lose to the Carolina Panthers and was probably the worst game. And it is actually the worst game statistically for Sean Payton's offense in his 16 years as the head coach of the New Orleans Saints. And then they bounce back and they go up to Foxborough and they do something they've never done with Sean Payton. And that's beat the Patriots in New England. And though there were some moments you held your breath, though it wasn't perfect, though it wasn't pretty, the Saints defense balled out. They look stellar. Marshawn Lattimore, the highest rated corner by pro football focus through three weeks, given he missed week two against the Panthers. But he's really showing now, showing why he deserves or deserved that massive extension uh, that was worth up to $100 million. Remember, he agreed to that right before kickoff uh, of the Green Bay game in week one. Uh, Camara does his thing, gets back on track. Jameis still had some moments where you're going, no, 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 no. Yes. But nonetheless, Jameis Winston, uh, two touchdown passes. I mean, look at the one the Mark was Calloway. That's the one I'm really referencing. He said that was all God. He was trying to throw it away and Calloway just went up and got it. So I know a lot of Saints fans happy to see Calloway get to the end zone for the first time and his NFL Career. Like I said, the defense was stellar three interceptions, including a pick six. With that pick six by Malcolm Jenkins, he moves into a tie for first all time in Saints' career defensive touchdowns. Uh, tie Sammy Knight. I know a lot of Saints fans, and uh, myself included as an analyst going back, I was like, man, I think Darren Sharper probably had four in that one year in 2009, but no, he, he his Saints' career was with three. So, fun little fact, but the Saints' defense is balling out. The offense has been the issue, and they might have a good opportunity to fix some of those issues this week against the New York Giants, who are struggling. They're 0-3 on the season, as promised. Let's welcome in our guest, in quotes, (laughs) question mark, kind of a guest, kind of the founder of the podcast, but we have Andrew Galata on the line. He's joining us, as I said, working inside of the Giants facility now. He's crossing enemy lines to come and and talk about this one but welcome back to your podcast Andrew we're happy to have you back for the second time since I've taken over but this one's a little bit more fun because you are the Giants insider now and before we started recording you were just telling me about how frustrating the Giants have been this season so for the Hudat Nation for those Saints fans that aren't familiar with what has happened to the Giants outside of maybe their loss to the Atlanta Falcons last week Let's catch everybody up. Saquon's back, so the offense is doing great,
1: right? First of all, Brennan, it's great to be here. It's always great to talk with you and definitely love what you're doing with the podcast. I listen every week. It's it, it's definitely, for me, very entertaining, a lot of fun. Got to get my Saints fix in, uh, as always. But, yeah, this Giants team, look, 0-3. The Saints have been 0-3 in past years through that 14-16 to era, and we kind of know how that went. And it's frustrating when every year – 0-3. Oh, it's it's not a good start to the year. It doesn't usually mean good things down the line when you talk about playoffs and that type of stuff. And a Giants team that wanted to take the next step, I think that was kind of the big thing. They go 6-10 in Joe JoJo's first year, and everyone thought, okay, this year they're going to go 9 wins, 10 wins. And just early on, it's kind of, you know, even maybe, you know, stagnant, really, I think that's the case. And it's just an odd season, because I think a lot of questions were on Daniel Jones coming into this season, the quarterback. And, you know, you talked about Saquon coming back. Everyone's like, the it's it's go time now you get in Saquon who for them top five overall pick back I believe 2018 and it's here 2017 actually excuse me there so that was kind of you know one of their you know it's like he's back you have Kenny Galladay who they sign and it's like okay here we go and everyone's like oh is Daniel Jones gonna play well is Daniel Jones gonna play well he's played really well and that's something that no interceptions on the season for him he is definitely one of those guys that he looks a lot better through his progression And then you're looking at their points per game and you're like, why isn't it high? It's because, you know, offensive line has struggled and they haven't been able to run the ball. And, you know, guys like Galladay, Kadarius, Tony, who I was so high in coming out of college, I wanted him to come to the Saints when I was talking with the who had discussion near draft time. And just, they haven't been able to get really the new guys the ball. And you just see some stagnant drive, especially at the end of games. And, you know, their defense right now, I mean, you know, your secondary is supposed to come in star studded and it just hasn't looked the same, a little shaky there. And up front, though, they've actually been pretty good, which was an area. But that's kind of just a crash course on the Giants. Not too many positives, but if you want to take one positive, I think it's Daniel Jones. And for him, obviously, franchise quarterback, you want your franchise quarterback to, you know, do well. They drafted him, you know, very, very high, and he's looked good. So if you want to take one positive, I think that, that would be the big one for them.
0: Yeah, Danny Dimes, uh, yeah. looking really good with his legs, actually.
1: Yeah, it's, an, uh, it's a. It's an added dimension for him, which we really haven't seen that much. So I think that probably helps too, keeps defenses a little off guard. So, you know, he, that's something the Saints are definitely going to have to key in on. I mean, is it something that I, I think that they'll struggle with? Probably not because this Saints defense looks, I mean, I think the best we've ever seen it. And that's why I think it may be more of the same this week, like we saw last week with the Patriots.
0: Well, I wanted to touch on on Kadarius Tony because if I'm not mistaken, there was a meme going around. Yeah um because he had negative two receiving yards uh, after week one or week two and uh the meme going around at least on twitter and instagram was like like or retweet mm. if you have more receiving career receiving yards than Kadarius tony and though it's funny and we can go haha great mm. meme and for a little bit we all right we all have more receiving yards than mm. Kadarius tony does in his nfl career that's great um but does that really highlight the struggles that the Giants have had on the offensive side of the ball because you just alluded to it well they're not able to get these young guys these playmakers the football because of a weak offensive line uh so does that meme really embody what the Giants season has been offensively thus far
1: yeah I think especially with the new guys is the big thing like I feel like they've been able to get the ball to Shepard and Slayton who may not be playing in this game you know you could see him on the injury report, didn't practice first two games. So I'd be surprised if they played at this point. So those have been the two guys. It's funny. They bring in all these big weapons and it's the two guys that were already there that are kind of the most productive. And I think maybe it's with Jason Garrett, you know, in in the, as an offensive coordinator trying to draw up plays for his new guys. I mean, Kenny Galladay, I mean, everyone knows him as kind of the deep shot type guy and I feel like he hasn't gotten those opportunities or maybe it's because he's not getting open. I don't know obviously what it is. And with Tony, I just feel like it's a little too predictable. I I think when, you know, you feel like, okay, they're going to go to him now, they'll go to him within those first 15 scripted plays. And then after that, they'll just, he'll just be on the sidelines, won't get a lot of touches. And I think the giants are hoping for a big game from him. I think soon, I mean, Joe judge has stated in multiple weeks. Now he's had a few really good weeks of practice. So they're going to have to get him going. And it's just one of those things you've seen the frustration there from him. You know, he was talking a little bit on social media. And that caused some buzz in New York, especially in New York, of all places. You got to, you know, sometimes if you're frustrated, he went on social media. So that was a little bit of a storyline. And then Kenny Galladay in that Thursday night game had a bit of a shouting match, it looked like, with uh, with offensive coordinator Jason Garrett. So I think it's really the new guys. I think that's kind of the big thing, is trying to how to get them involved, because they have so much talent. Kenny Galladay, I, I mean, to me, he's such a good receiver. He's underrated receiver. You just haven't really seen it early on in Kadarius Stoney. I mean, this guy just gets open. And for some reason, he's not getting the ball. It's just something that I really don't understand right now. And the offensive line, it's going to have its struggles, I think, for this team. But I don't think they've been, like, too, too bad. It's been better than I think a lot of people expected. But, you know, when guys aren't getting open, it's pretty tough. Well, it's also New York press, right?
0: No matter what the expectation is going into the season, whether you're the Jets or you're the Giants in the NFL, whether you're the Yankees, the Mets, the Knicks, the Nets, it doesn't matter, you know, Your expectation is to make the playoffs every year, even the years where you have no business being in the playoffs. That's the expectation. I want to keep it on the offensive side of the ball because, you know, you alluded to a little bit earlier, Saquon Barkley coming back from injury, um, obviously a standout at Penn state goes and top five pick. And we've seen what he can do in the league. I mean, he's a massive human being, lots of strength, lots of speed. Uh, He's really, Uh, what a lot of people want in a running back because he's not bad out of the backfield either. It just really depends what you want. You want the power guy that can catch out of the backfield or you want that elusive guy that can catch out of the backfield, but when hundred percent healthy, I think it's fair to put Saquon in in your top five running backs in the league. Uh, So with the offensive struggles that the giants have had this season, it might be hard to evaluate where Saquon is. But in your opinion, what you've seen and what you've heard from the team, where is Saquon Barkley on this injury recovery? And if you had to put a percentage, where is he? Is he 80%? Is he a hundred percent? Is he 70%? Where's Saquon Barkley through three weeks?
1: Yeah, to me it's interesting because he didn't play all preseason. I think they're just obviously coming off, you know. Um, a big injury. And then he comes in week one. It just seems like he was a bit just trying to get back into it. It was almost like his preseason game. That's how I would say to it. And he's gotten better every single week. You saw in that week two game, he hit kind of a home run, like 45-yard run, and then he had scored a touchdown last week. But I would say probably 80%, but I think it may move like I think it would be 80% as of week three. And I don't know where he's going to be this week coming into week four. I, I would expect that to go up. He's a guy that I still think is getting that athleticism back. And he's he's a type of running back where I think it's even different than a guy like Alvin Kamara. He always tries to hit, you know, he'll he'll, he'll go down five yards for sure, but then he really wants to hit the home run. He wants to cut it back up to try to get 40 instead of maybe getting seven yard carry. He wants to maybe one out of every eight times hit the 50 yard bomb. I think that's just the type of runner he is. I think we saw it at Penn state. I thought we saw it, saw it when he won rookie of the year back, you know, when he did that. And I think that's kind of with him, I don't know if it's because he doesn't have his athleticism that we haven't seen it as much. It just seems like teams aren't even keying on him as much on the defensive side, and they're able to, you know, kind of stop him or at least keep him within their, you know, within their reach and within their handle. So it's something that he hasn't really started any game so far. And I think with the Saints rushing the way the way they, you know, their rush defense, I don't see it being a huge, huge issue just because I, I think it's still kind of early on in his injury recovery period as he's getting back onto the field. and the way the Saints have been. Just this defense is so suffocating, and that's it's going to be a huge test for the Giants. I think that's one thing. They're 0-3 right now. They feel like their backs are against the wall. Obviously, you don't want to go into 0-4, and this is a really tough test for them. And then also, you have to talk about the Superdome crowd. How are they going to handle that? I bet they would love to have Saquon Barkley running the ball 20 times to try to you know, quiet the crowd, but it's, it's, it's going to be a tough test for them. Whatever way you kind of slice it, their offensive line's a little banked up, too, and It's like, you know, they're going to try to come up with some answers. But the way the Saints defense is playing, it's like, I I don't know what's going to happen. Well, keeping it on the offense
0: for one last little discussion before we move to the defensive side of the ball for the Giants. I think with everything that we've talked about, we've talked about the injuries to the receiving corps. We've talked about the fact that the receiving corps hasn't really looked As good as people expected, we've talked about the struggles of the offensive line, we've talked about Saquon Barkley. But the Giants, not just this week, but going through the rest of their schedule, these next five to six weeks look particularly Mm -hmm. difficult. You have the Saints, you have the Rams, uh, you have a couple undefeated teams, and then you have your NFC East matchups that are always so important in a division that over the last Seven years has been historically pretty bad. I mean, you have teams with losing records win the division, or teams that have been eight and eight. Obviously, that's not in the picture anymore. You can't finish eight and eight, but you've had teams with a losing record win the division and go into the playoffs, uh, especially just looking back at last year. So, how much pressure really is on Daniel Jones this week? Because you're gonna be more than likely missing two receivers. You mentioned you're playing one of the best defenses in football through three weeks. You have to deal with a superdome crowd, a full superdome crowd, which no one's really had to deal with. Uh, like I said, in almost or over a year at this point. And for a guy like Daniel Jones, who's still young, I think there's still a lot of promise in his NFL career. This is a really big matchup for him. How much pressure is on Danny Dimes? <laughs> to get this team to find some sort of positive there's no moral victories but even if they come away with a loss is there a weird and almost like damning amount of
1: pressure hmm. on daniel jones this week he, he he's a guy that i think this may be one of his this is i think the toughest test of the year no doubt so far I think he is getting, I think Saquon, as Saquon goes under his belt, I think that's huge. But when you look at the injuries from the wide receiving courts to the offensive line, it's like it's kind of now really all on his shoulders. And that wasn't supposed to be the case. And he's played really well early on. But this offense isn't, I don't think, built around Daniel Jones. And I think it's kind of turning to, okay, he's going to have to make big plays. And week one, we didn't really see that much of it. I thought he played fine, but I don't think he made those big plays to win games. Week two, I thought he made big plays to win games. It's just, you know, literally everything that he did, I felt like someone else on his team did something else to combat it and do something that, you know, just you can't do, whether it be jumping off sides at the end of the field goal, like that's the big one, but dropping touchdown passes, all that stuff. And then in week three, it just felt like that game was just such a winnable game against the Falcons. We all know how bad the Falcons are, and it just somehow slipped under their, their hands. And, you know, they fumbled the lead late, and then they lose the game. And it's just like for him, this is those three games are pretty winnable. I think this is a really tough game for them also because of the Superdome and, you know, they're coming up, I think, as you said, this really tough stretch and they're coming in hobbled and it's just one of those games where, yeah, if they're going to win this game, Daniel Jones is probably going to have one of his best games of his career. Do I see that happening? I mean, I would say it's probably unlikely. And it's just one of those things. I think the Saints kind of have the Giants where they want them and just when you look at the scheming and types of things that Dennis Allen and that defense could do because we all saw what, what this defense has done, even in that Carolina game. I thought the defense played well, considering all the situations. Now, all that energy, everyone coming back home, it's just, it's going to be a tough, tough situation for the Giants. And they're usually not too good when they play in New Orleans either. I feel like every single time over the last 10 years, they've gotten, you know, blown out in the dome. And that's something that I think if you're the Giants, it's a really tough test. It's the first huge crowd, like really raucous crowd that they'll face since 2019. So I think a lot of things, especially Daniel Jones, the pressure is going to be on him sometimes. I guess the New York media could be a little too unfair to him as well, but it's going to be a tough one for him going into New Orleans.
0: Well, I'd like to point out, because you said over the last 10 years, New York getting blown out, I think the one game that everybody likes to point to is the classic duel <laughs> between Breeze <laughs> and Manning that ended like 52 to 49. It's crazy. And- that That's just popped up all over social media yeah. this week, hasn't it? Because that was just a classic, uh, really classic game. And what was a really bad Saints year. Yeah. Um,
1: Those two OBJ, defenses were 31 and 32, and you know why. <laughs>
0: yeah, that, that's a perfect example. OBJ had a handful of touchdown grabs, and obviously he had being three. a Louisiana kid, you yeah. know, that's always exciting to see. And uh, Drew Brees just looked like prime – Primetime drew Brees tying the nfl record for touchdown passes in a single game so i point towards that one that that's been a fun one but let's go to the defensive side of the ball for for the giants right i think the big news this week was blake martinez with an acl tear he's going to be out the remainder of the season and i think that's a linebacker who hasn't got enough credit over the years because he has been at the very top uh, of the list every year for tackles he's probably the best tackling linebacker in football you bring him in from green bay to really be the captain of your defense and you lose him early on in the season what are some potential options that the giants have to fill
1: um what is now a really big void if yeah, blake martinez is like their demario davis he's their not only their leader on the field, but he's their emotional leader too. And it's not just the tackles, he's great in coverage. He's, he's an outstanding linebacker and losing him is just, I I think, especially playing the Saints with Alvin Kamara and how important your linebackers are in defending him, I think, you know, it's a big loss, but for them, they're the, when Martinez went out, they went to take Crowder as the guy that was kind of the signal caller that, uh, you know, he was able to go in there, who was kind of homegrown from them. Late round draft pick kind of came through the ranks. Uh, last year as a rookie, and he's actually looked pretty good. And it seems like, you know, just by hearing him, he's definitely, I think, you know, gonna, would replace him, I think, at a fine level, whereas he can run the defense, and I, I don't think you're too, too worried about that. Reggie Ragland, who's another guy who's more of a, a vet who can do that as well. I think they actually have a pretty deep linebacking group. I don't think anyone's going to replace Blake Martinez, but I think the Giants, it's one of their strengths, so I guess, you know, they have a few key cogs in their defense, so if one of the guys were going to go down for, you know, extended period time like Martinez, it's really, really tough, but I think you do have some pretty good replacements, not as good as Martinez, but I think, You know they could at least plug in there and you won't you know i don't think you'll fall apart and i think the biggest thing you know with this giants i think when you look at they're kind of built on that linebacking and secondary and i think that's something that you know they have a lot of depth there so i think that's kind of the one thing but that's a huge loss especially with them playing alvin Kamara and what he can do out of the backfield
0: Well, you mentioned the secondary is a strength. Certainly last year, the Giants had uh, a surprisingly good secondary uh, in 2020. You mentioned some of their struggles this year. They're facing a New Orleans Saints team that has not attempted more than 22 passes a game, um, which I wrote earlier in the week that it is a change. It's a new era of Saints football. We're used to seeing Drew just let it rip at least least 30 times a game to where we haven't seen Jameis go over 22 at this point. And you're seeing Alvin Kamara touch the ball a little bit more. You mentioned a a really deep linebacking corpse for the Giants and they're going to have their hands full, but you also mentioned at the very top of the podcast, that the secondary has not lived up to expectations. Do you see this as a game where Sean Payton maybe reaches into his back pocket and pulls out a nice old call sheet and goes, all right, Jameis, let's go. Uh, Or do you think this is still a solidified unit that could give Jameis and a really young saints receiving corpse in trouble.
1: This game, it's just because when you look at the saints receivers, I think they can go to even with them and maybe at like a lesser level, when you look at James Bradbury, he's a guy that struggled early on. He's given up a touchdown in every game so far this season for the giants. And he's a guy that was so, so good last year. It was a pro bowl last year, this breakout season. And it seems like he's kind of regressing to where he was in Carolina. And we kind of knew him, Michael Thomas had his way with him a few times. And, I think that's, you know, a guy I don't know if he's going to be, you know, as good as he was in 2020, where he was a top 10 corner, or he's going to be kind of that, you know, above average corner, average type guy that he was in Carolina, I don't know what maybe will be probably somewhere in the middle, I'm assuming, but he's the leader of their secondary now can I think he can go one on one with Marquez Callaway? probably and i don't think it's going to be much of an issue just like when you look at you know what some other you know defenses were able to do against the saints like the the panthers and they were able to kind of stymie them i mean adory jackson's a guy who couldn't run with anybody and he's actually had a you know out of everybody in that that secondary group he's had a good year coming in from tennessee logan ryan those secondaries have struggled or that those safeties excuse me have struggled a little bit one questionable thing is jabril peppers who had a great year in 2020, like the usage of him has been a little interesting the way they've used him and Xavier McKinney. Um, and, and that's something that I think, you know, when you look at this, the this secondary, I can see, you know, them try to match up to get Deontay Harris and try to, you know, I, I, I think Sean Payton could scheme guys open in, in this defense. I just, it's like, it's going to be tough. And, then, and as we were talking about this before the season, even without Michael Thomas, without Traquan Smith right now, you know, when you're looking at the Saints receiving group, I don't know how many You know, when you just look at the matchups, how many secondary groups they're like, okay, we're better than them. I just don't see that many. And when you look where the Giants were last year in the secondary, which was a really good secondary, I don't think they regress so, so much where it's going to be like, you know, they're the James is going to throw all over them. I just kind of don't see that happening.
0: Well, a guy that a lot of people are excited about made his return to the Saints last week was Kenny Stills expecting him to be a normal elevation again this week. And I'd imagine the saints are going to use uh, uh, that three weeks where you can elevate a guy without signing in the full roster. I'm going to imagine the saints are going to use every single one of those until they absolutely have to elevate Kenny Stills. I think he's an interesting piece for the saints, obviously getting re acclimated to everything in the Sean Payton system. Uh, But just the type of route runner he is, I always thought he was an underrated route runner. A lot of people just remember him as being a guy who could stretch the field. I think he could be a really serviceable piece for the Saints, not just this year. But if they decide to bring him back down the road, um, I think he could as well. When Traquan Smith gets back, I know a lot of people, a lot of people, the Houdat Nation, a lot of analysts, uh, both fantasy analysts hmm. who've been really frustrated with Traquan Smith since he got in the league because he was supposed to be the next uh, the next big thing in New Orleans that you could rely on as a flex or a wide receiver, too, all the way from that to just people in the New Orleans media because it has been a roller coaster ride for Traquan. Yeah. But the one thing I like to point out to people is if you go since Traquan got into the league, outside of Michael Thomas, he's caught more touchdowns than any other Saints receiver. And I think that says a lot about Traquan Smith. I think over the years, at least from an analyst point of view, I've seen him be more willing to go over the middle of the field. He's made some really difficult catches in the middle of the field and has shown off his route tree a little bit more. Obviously, the Saints not going to get him back this week, but I think that's another piece that's certainly going to bolster what is a very oddly pieced together receiving corpse right now. But sticking with the Giants' defense, Tony Jones Jr. is a guy that earned his way onto the New Orleans Saints roster and stole a roster spot from Latavius Murray, which I still think is the biggest surprise in terms of huts for the New Orleans Saints this offseason. But since that big week one outing of the preseason for Jones Jr., there hasn't been a lot of action for him in terms of carries in terms of getting opportunities and crucial points of the game. Do you feel that maybe against the giants, the saints might turn towards Jones jr. A little bit more, uh, especially with how many touches Camara's got
1: the last few weeks. It's something with the saints that, you know, I've been watching all the games and like you look at, when you, when Murray was there and Mark Ingram was there and they always talked about Kamara, like, you know, trying to keep his load down. And this year they're like, who needs load management? Let's just give him the ball. Every single, so I don't know what that says. Maybe they want Kamara in there more just because when you look at the weapons, you know, he, Kamara is the only one. So you want him in as much as possible. You want the ball in his hands as much as possible. And then Jones kind of just gets left to the wayside because of that. I would like to see the Saints obviously I think, give the ball more to, to Jones if, you know, I I think this game is going to be important. It always is running the ball, especially, you know, in in the trenches. And I think giving them the ball is not a bad idea because I'd like to see Kamara more out of the backfield. And, you know, we haven't seen, I mean, only 10 catches through three games. I I think also that has to do with just how good Drew Brees was at getting him the ball. Um, But, you know, only 10 catches through three games. So I'd like to see Kamara maybe split out a little bit more in the slot, a little bit more trying to get him the ball you know, in the, you know, through the air and then that does leave. I would like to keep Jones in the game, you know, leave Kamara in the slot, put Jones in as running back. And you can kind of play some more interesting um, personnel packages from there. But yeah, he's a guy that I, I'm not surprised that they've kind of went away from maybe this two back set because Alvin Kamara, I think is just getting better and better, you know, each week and just kind of in his progression, he's just, you know, blossomed into a superstar. And we all know that. I mean, really one of the best if not I think he's probably the best running back in the league maybe top two right there and you know he's a guy that you maybe just want the ball in his hands and they're like you know we don't want a Latavius Murray you know getting you know eight carries a game and that's something that I I don't know if I agree with it disagree with it it's kind of it's I I think we're going to see in like week 12 you know if Kamara if he can keep that load I think that's going to be the big thing when you look at kind of the dynamics of that running back room
0: you said interesting personnel sets. One guy that seemed to refine his way into the Saints offense after playing less than 35% of the offensive snaps in week 1 and week 2 was Taysom Hill. He played over 50% of the Saints offensive snaps in week 3 and you're like, "Whoa. Taysom Hill's back. This is nice." Uh and from obviously from a writing standpoint, it's it's easy to say, "Well, look at what the Saints were able to do offensively and look the that whole last touchdown drive, yeah, it exactly. seemed like it just seemed it was Taysom Hill a quarterback. So the fact that the Saints have maybe re-found and rekindled that Swiss Army knife role, how does that match up against the Giants and in terms of creating different looks for this Giants defense that has struggled a little bit at times this season? How much of a factor can Taysom Hill play, and how do you
1: feel the Giants defense can respond? I, I, I think that QB power would be a trouble with the giants. And I think it was a trouble last week with the Patriots. Obviously we all saw what Taysom what did and that's something I think you beat the giants, especially with the saints personnel by punching them in the mouth and see if they punch back. I I think the way the Saints team is built is kind of like the opposite. The way the Giants team is built. Saints team is built offensive line, defensive line. Let's be really physical. That's one thing that the Giants have really talked about all week. They talk about how aggressive the Saints are, how physical the Saints are. The Giants are built kind of more on the outside. Secondary, when they have Bradbury and Jabril Peppers and all, you know, Adore Jackson, all those, um, you know, secondary um, signings that they've had. And then you you look at the wide receiving core. They've had some trouble, but you have a first-round pick. You have... Kenny Galladay, Sterling Shepard, who's had a lot of NFL success. I mean, you can just go down the line. Darius Slayton has looked good. And that's kind of how they're built. Saquon Barkley, who's just, you know, a weapon in his own right. Saints are built kind of in that interior. The, you know, the the hard nose way. It doesn't always look pretty, but it gets you wins. And Taysom Hill, I think, could punch them in the mouth. I think, you know, when you look at those QB powers, I think the Kamara can punch them in the mouth. I think the way this this defensive line's playing I think you've gotten some good edge pressure. I think when you look at guys like Leonard Williams and you know what they and Dexter Lawrence on the inside, they were so so good last year. They haven't been as big as a factor this year so maybe that's something the Saints could take advantage of. Now, you have to look at the Saints offensive line's situation which, you know, is a worry I think when when going into this game, but I think that the Saints are going to win games I think this year by just punching in the mouth using Kamara, using Taysom Hill, and I want to see more of Taysom Hill because when you look at all these guys on you know all the weapons he's a guy that's really skillful whether it's you know tight end blocking pass uh passing receiving running whatever he's doing he's all he's better than a lot of these guys the saints have right now which is kind of just the situation they're in so i'd like to see you know just his snap count go up even if it's not like at quarterback at the end of the game but you know you can see him at tight end you could see him at you know some other places and wide receiver and I think those are areas where the Saints could have a lot of success in. Well, you keep mentioning this
0: giant secondary, and two guys I want to point out of that secondary, Jabril Peppers and Adoree Jackson, who are just athletes. I mean, you look at what they were able to do in college. Adoree played offense and defense. Jabril Peppers, I think, played like 11 to 13 positions while he was at Michigan. Um, One of those guys is probably going to be in charge of lining up stride for stride. Uh, with Alvin Kamara out of the backfield or these tight ends that the saints have that are very dangerous in the receiving game that just haven't found their footing yet in Juwan Johnson, the two touchdowns in week one. And then Adam Troutman, who I think a lot of people are just waiting to break out because he's got all the tools there to be a top tight end in the league. Do you think the saints could finally find a rhythm for these tight ends when they're matching up against a guy who, is a little bit smaller despite them being a little bit quicker than those tight ends. Do you think the saints could have a matchup problem
1: right there? I think it's something that when, when you're looking at what the saints have been able to do with their tight ends, which is not much. I think Johnson in the red zone, it's going to be a factor. Cause when you look at, I think not just the giants, but a lot of teams, they have nobody who can just tip for tat guard and one-on-one. I I could see I, I can see Peppers trying to mask Kamara a little bit. He's a big athlete. I think Adoree Jackson's going to play on the outside. He's played on the outside all year. He could play on the inside, but I think he's just going to probably run with them with Deontay Harris or whoever is running on the outside with the Saints. And I see James Bradbury kind of locking down Marquez Callaway or trying to uh, lock down Marquez Callaway. And I think that's how they're going to play it. And then you know do do I see them? Pro- no one I don't think is going to single cover Kamara anymore. But when you look at these tight ends, I mean Trowman. You know, it's just it's just been non-existent. Now, am I going to call that he's going to have a breakout game? Probably not. You know, I I, I think that when you look at what, what, what he's done, it's just like it's, it's it's disappointing, I think. That's kind of the biggest thing to really say about it. And I think the Giants do have a, a solid enough, you know, kind of middle of the, the linebacker safeties. I think it's, you know, it's pretty solid there. And I just don't see, you know, too, too, too too much from Troutman. I, I think Johnson in the red zone is such a – he's a guy I'd love to see if the Saints get the ball the ball too and I think that's why the Saints are usually pretty good in the red zone because they actually even with all the injuries they actually still have some decent weapons in the red zone and I think that's something that they've taken advantage of but trial minutes, it's been disappointment it's been disappointing and you know I would love to see him you know obviously you know make some plays but I I, I do think the Giants that kind of middle you know of the deeper part linebackers safeties I think they're pretty solid well, we've touched
0: on just about every positional group we can yeah, for the yeah. New York Giants. I feel like we've given the listeners quite uh, quite the load of information to digest. Uh, in the last little bit of time that we have, maybe these last 10 minutes of time, let's go towards the New Orleans Saints. You mentioned the struggle with the tight ends. We've touched on the receivers. We briefly touched on the offensive line. Obviously, no Eric McCoy. You're not going to have Teron Armstead for an extended period of time. We've talked about the running backs, but we haven't talked a whole lot about this defense. We've alluded to how good they've been, but we really haven't talked about them. Um, And I think one of the biggest concerns for the Saints was linebacker two. And we saw that in the game against Carolina, Zach Bond just looked lost. But Demario Davis has been as good as he's ever been. Uh, And at times that masks some of the problems you have at the second linebacker spot. You saw how valuable C.J. Gardner-Johnson and yeah. Marshawn Lattimore were, especially in week two. The defensive lines had its rotations, and the safeties have probably been the most consistent group in terms of being healthy through three weeks. But what do you like about this Saints defense? I mean, there's certainly lots of things to like, and I think there's lots of adversity the Saints have faced off the field. Obviously, Hurricane Ida being displaced, not playing a home game until you know this Sunday. But there's also a lot of things they faced on the field in terms of injuries, new faces. What do you like about this Saints defense? And what kind of problems can they give
1: a depleted Giants offense? I I love this Saints defense. I mean, I really do. I I wish I got to talk about them more. And it's something that I've missed. Just watching the swagger of this Saints defense is something that, you know, they're not going to be able to, I think, recreate with another group. And hats off to what the Saints have done. To keep these guys in, you know, the Demario Davises, the Cameron Jordans, the Marshawn Lanemars, hats off to them, because you just look around the league, nobody has the amount of swagger, that competitiveness, that aggressiveness that the Saints have really brought in here. And, you know, I, I don't think I realized how important it was until you kind of see the rest of the league. And that's something that you just love so many. You know, we were talking in the offseason about what are they going to do at linebacking to, linebacker two? What are they going to do at cornerback two? What are they going to do with the spot opposite Cameron Jordan? and they've kind of filled all of them up in like the month of August. It was like the weirdest thing, <laughs> you know, in cornerback two, everyone's so worried about it. Paulson and Debo looks really good who they drafted out of Stanford. And then obviously um, with, with bringing in uh, Bradley Roby as well. So like, that's something that when you, you know, you can fill that hole up linebacking too. You have Quan, obviously he's not going to be you know playing, but I think Pete Werner's looked pretty good. And I think as a rookie, he's looked really solid and you could kind of see where his floor is going to be. And, Hopefully he's going to stay healthy so you don't have like a Zach Bond type game again, but I don't think he, his floor is even as bad as Zach Bond's. So I think that's so, so important, you know, when looking at what they've done and then Tano Passanio and, you know, Peyton Turner, they don't have Davenport right now, but even week one, he had a good week one. It's something that you're excited about. And the interior, I, I know a lot of people haven't talked about it, but they've with, without David Onyemato, who may be the Saints best defensive lineman just overall, they've looked solid enough where they've held, held their own. This, this group is really good at all levels. They have superstars at all levels, and that's something that I think they're going to have a lot of success against most teams, you know, and the Giants are going to be one of them. It's just when you look at what the the Saints can do when they can line you up tip for tat just across across what they're doing, It's I don't think a lot of teams can match up. I don't think the Giants can match up. And the way Marshawn Lattimore is playing, definitely wanted to shout him out. You know, it's like number one PFF grade. He's just been locked down, and everyone was worried about, you know, where his – his kind of motivation would be after he got the big deal. He comes in week three against, you know, a Patriot receiving group that obviously doesn't have the big names and he just shows out. I mean, I just, I I really love this defense and hats off to the saints with having bad defenses for so, so long coming in and building this group. And they got better each year, each year, each year. And now you look at like a top five, top three group. It's something that's, it's so, so fun to
0: watch. Passing might be one of the most underrated signings, this oh, offseason yeah. because of what you just mentioned. There's a lack of depth at the defensive tackle with Anyamata being suspended for six games. Passigno can move inside just because he's a massive human being. He's like six foot seven. Yeah, that's that's unreal. Uh, but you've also seen him in the pass rush. He's been able to get to the quarterback. He's been able to uh, affect uh, multiple phases of the game. Special teams is something that we haven't seen directly yet. But because of that size, I feel like at some point we're going to see Passanio block a punt, block a kick. Because of just his size, his athleticism, and what he's able to do, he's meant so much to the New Orleans Saints. Defensive line, their defensive success as a whole. You wanted to shout out Lattimore. I want to shout out Demario Davis. He's another It's it's bad because I think for a lot of people that follow this team – uh, whether you're a fan or a writer or an analyst it's almost you expect DeMario Davis <laughs> to be spectacular because he just has been he's been one of the most underrated linebackers in football but man he's taking it to another level especially when the Saints have needed that because the Saints offense through 3 weeks still hasn't clicked on all cylinders they're dead last and they're going into week 3 dead last in the league in offensive yards which is something that we've never had to say with a Sean Payton group. So I still think they're still trying to get their footing. Obviously, when you get the offensive line healthy, when you get Michael Thomas back, when you get Traquan Smith back, we could be talking completely different in week 10. But right now, the Saints offense is still struggling to figure it out. We have a little bit time left, Andrew. Let's talk about some X factors in this game for the New Orleans Saints, I want your offensive X factor, your defensive X factor, and your special teams X factor. Let's start with offense. You're going to give yours. I'm going to give mine,
1: and we'll discuss. Yeah, Offense, I, I think for the Saints, they, they just have to manufacture some separation in that receiving group, and that's where my X factor is going to come to. Marquise Callaway seems like he was starting to get revved up in that, in, in, in that game against the Patriots had – Four catches. He had the great touchdown catch, but still haven't seen him like where he was in the preseason. I I feel like it's one of these games. He's, I think, going to get a lot of one-on-one coverage with James Bradbury I could see him. I I think. I think the Saints are going to go to him. I I really would like to see him take that next step. Had a, you know, non-existent first two weeks. Has a a pretty good week. Is solid week three. Let's see if he could take that next step in week four. He's something and someone I'm definitely going to be looking at. I'm going to take
0: Taysom Hill, and we alluded to it earlier. Last week for New Orleans was the first time Taysom Hill played more than 35% of the offensive snaps. And especially with a group at receiver that we didn't know where the production was going to come, especially with the injuries Mm -hmm. that piled up and tight end and and how disappointing Troutman has been to this point. At some point, I just expected Taysom Hill to get back to that Swiss Army role and play some meaningful snaps and it just didn't happen until week three. And then week three comes around and as predictable as that QB power is, and they alluded to it on the broadcast, nobody can stop it. Right. There there's, (laughs) it gets frustrating when you see, that was only three yards, but then two plays right later, they go right back to it. It goes for 13 yards. And as infuriating as that can be, it works. And as infuriating as it can be to see, James come off the field or even when drew was there drew come off the field on third down if they don't convert it it's one of those plays that the defense knows at some point you're going to go back to that and you can show a different look and you can put Taysom here and you can put Taysom there and that's what makes it so fun uh to watch and to see how sean payton has created a player that the league has never seen before yeah Taysom hill is a one of one and there's teams that are trying to replicate it and can't figure it out so I'm definitely gonna go Taysom Hill in this matchup and I think Taysom Hill is gonna be a vital part of the Saints offensive success until they get
1: a healthy group together now defensively also I want to add on offense real quick uh James Hurst is another another x-factor I know it's offensive line but he's a guy I think because he's gonna play with turn armstead out he looked really good in week three I would like to see what he can do in, in week four I think You know, he's probably going to go up against Aziz Ojolari, who's looked good for the Giants, three sacks in three games, had a strip sack last week. I want to see what Hurst can do. I I, I think he's going to be solid because I think he's a really, really good depth piece for the Saints, and that signing is going to come in big, and he's someone I'm definitely going to be looking at. Remember, even last year, Hurst had to play some games in place of
0: Armstead, and the Saints offense didn't really miss a beat, so that's a good one as well. Now, looking defensively, we mentioned that this is a Giants offense that's depleted. I said it's almost a damning task for Dan- Danny Dimes here in Week yeah. Four.
1: Who's your extra factor for the Saints defensively? Uh, it's the levels. It's Cameron Jordan this week. You know, there's I, he's he's been on he's been on just knocking at the door. When when you look at this this offensive line for the Giants, he's going to break right through. I think this is the week. Whether it be I don't know where the Saints are going to line him up, but if it's Nate Solder who hasn't looked too too good with with the Giants, I think that's somewhere where Jordan could definitely win that matchup a lot. And then Andrew Thomas, who's actually looked really good for the Giants. He was their first round pick last year, but he's usually, um, you know, he's a guy that I think, you know, maybe Jordan could take advantage of as a young player. So that's something I think Jordan with, you know, his ability to just like, I think he had like eight pressures in week three and he was just so, so close to getting that sack. I think he has a big day. I think I'll have multiple sacks in this game. Well, I think we're going to agree on that one. And I talked about it the
0: last podcast. so i will talk about it again. Hashtag stop the cam jordan hate yeah (laughs) it doesn't to me it doesn't make sense through the first two weeks and and week two fans you had every right to be upset the saints played terrible uh but the defense was actually pretty good in, in in week two but for cameron jordan you're right he's just been knocking on the door and even though it doesn't show up in the stat sheet with the sacks he's affected the game so many other ways he's attracted double teams uh, on the rush when he rushes the passer he's been very good in the run game and shout out to kyle t mosley for throwing this stat out on twitter and cameron jordan actually responded and re- quote retweeted it was that he's one tackle for loss away for moving into eighth all time in that category wow think about that yeah right and he's he's got the potential to tie clay matthews hmm. and demarcus Ware, who are both hall of famers or future Hall of Famers, Cameron Jordan's in that area, and I think because he was the leader of the Saints' defense that was really bad through the years, there's an there's an expectation. And last year he only had six sacks. But look back at the tape and what he's been able to do, Cameron Jordan. I'm with you. There's a lot of games where, and you look back through the seasons where Cam's had a game of three or four sacks. Yeah, usually I the think was a <laughs> especially against the Falcons. He, love, he loves Matt Ryan. I think 21 stats in Matt Ryan in his career, most of one player and one quarterback ever. Yeah. It's one of my favorite stats. But this this is definitely going to be it. This is going to be the week where Cam is able to break through. Finally, really quick, we're running out of time. Let's get a wild card X factor for you.
1: Yeah, someone that I, I think, you know, whether it be when – these, when these wild card match, these special teams, as you said before, I think – looking at the saints team i i don't know if will lust is going to come off the ir i don't know if we know that yet i mean i i it's going to be is it just another week he needs and that's something that you know i don't think that the kicking game for the saints is going to be big i think field position will be big though and i think that's when you come in with a guy like blake gilligan who's just bombing punts. i don't think people realize and that's something that in the field position game we've seen it with with the saints and last year, I think especially, was when it really started to creep its head because Saints had a good defense, not as good offense. And you're seeing it again this year. I I, I think the Saints are going to punt the ball. I don't think they're going to blow out this Giants like 42 to 10. I don't think that's going to happen. So I I do think field position is going to be important, put the defense in good positions. I just love the way Blake Gilligan punts. He just bombs them. It just comes off the leg and it's just kaboom. I mean, it, it's like it's like Thomas More said in his prime. It looks just like that. And you you kind of see why the Saints stashed him on IR <laughs> all, of, all of last year. Well, he was great in college
0: as well. I don't think anybody expected him to be as good his first year in the pros, though. I'm going to stick with you in field position, but it's not going to be the punter. It's going to be the return man. Deontay Harris is just so special. Yeah. He's just so, so special. And you know, as well as I do, it takes one step and he's gone. And we haven't quite seen that step yet. We've had some glimpses. We've had some flashes where he's had some good returns, but you know that he's due. And he didn't have a return for a touchdown all of last year. He had some really good returns. He's had some good returns this year, but he's due for one. And I think it's going to be really important because the Saints offense has struggled. Can you get Jameis and company a short field? I think a lot of that falls on Deontay Harris. Also check out what he's going to do on the offensive side because He's still figuring out how to play receiver in the NFL. I think he's got a really special uh, future, especially with a guy who's got an arm like Jameis Winston. So check all those things out in the Superdome this week. Before we let you go, we need a score prediction from our Giants insider, Andrew Galata. What is it?
1: I'm going to go 23-7, Saints, 23-10. I think it's going to be right around there. I think it'll be a double-digit win for the Saints. I think this defense is going to be suffocating and with the noise, with the energy from the dome, I think this defense is just going to dominate, just like they've done the first three weeks. I think the offense does just enough. I don't think Winston turns the ball over, and you know they're able to get the win, double digits. I'm with you, but I will say this: I think that this Superdome crowd
0: is going to make this feel more like a primetime game yeah. than a afternoon game <laughs> because they haven't been in that building in full force in so long. So. I'm going to take the Saints thirty-one to three. You I think, think they're just much? going to
1: dominate the I the entire match. I've done that matches. once. I did that once. I think it was the Eagles game. I predicted them to win by like twenty-one points, and then they lost. So I just don't do that. I was like, but double do digit, like 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 fourteen points, thirteen points. I think that that's kind of the most I'll predict. So <laughs> I'm, I'm being a little a little gracious with an offense that's really struggled, but I think the defense is going to make
0: enough plays to oh, put yeah. in short fields. Oh, I agree. Uh, and I think this is. Maybe the week where Jameis capitalizes and looks more like that week one Jameis. Because, look, Jameis didn't have to do a whole lot in week one, even though he threw for five touchdowns. I think it could be similar, especially with the Saints playing against an offense that has been struggling. Well, Andrew, thank you so much for coming back onto the podcast as our Giants insider. I know <laughs> that just sounds weird to a lot of the normal lot of the normal. And, and faithful listeners, are like what? That they got to like
1: clean their I ears out. I don't, I don't think I'm an insider. You're giving me way too much credit as an insider, too. I will say I'm definitely not an insider. <laughs>
0: hey, well, you're you're in that building. You're giving us a lot of good information. We really appreciate it. We'll have you back sure. on the podcast, guys. That's the OG Andrew Galata. Uh, how can they follow you on Twitter?
1: At Andrew Galata, just my name. Definitely all, all the things I'm doing, whether it be Giants, college football you know, Saints, anything, you know, you can follow me there uh, at Andrew Galata. Well, make sure you give him a follow, give the podcast a follow at the Hoodat Disc.
0: give myself a follow. It's at BT Boylan, whether it's Saints news, whether it's some of my film stuff, so happy to say that my film will be showing at the Raleigh Film Festival in North Carolina this weekend. Uh, so thank you for all you guys that have went and watched the film, uh, but you can follow all of my work on Twitter at BT Boylan, all my Saints work at Saints News. And make sure you subscribe to the podcast if you have not. Andrew's got to get going. I got to get going. My girlfriend's making cookies, so definitely got to go. Got to go get some of that. And uh, we'll see you next time here on the Who Dat discussion. As always, find your peace, spread love, practice positivity. We'll see you next week uh, for a Saints versus Giants recap.